Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. And a very warm welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast. Nigel Green here from the Ecker Academy, and I'm I'm super pleased to have with me today, Mr. Alex Imphy. How are you doing, Alex? Hey, Nigel. Very good. Uh, looking forward to having a chat. We've had a few of these, but yeah. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things happen in the world at the moment, isn't it? But, uh, you know, we all get very busy with our our lives, but it's, it's lovely to connect and, uh, you know, thank you for sparing the time today. Really appreciate it. But I just thought just for the benefit of the uh, the listeners, maybe you could just give a bit of an introduction to yourself and maybe a bit about your background, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Alex Impey and currently I am the founder and I call myself Chief Vision Officer. I guess when you're the founder, you can make up names, whatever you want, right? Uh, of Core City, and I'll tell you a little bit more about Core City, uh, what we're doing later. But my background, I'm a chartered mechanical engineer. So, um, yeah, I've been in, in engineering probably best part of 15 years, studied and worked all across the world in some pretty harsh locations, shall I say, um, which obviously gives you a lot of great insights. But Everything has been predominantly risk management. How do you deal with risk? How do you deal with technical challenges? And how do you overcome them? So I'm just a problem solver. Uh, I guess that's all engineers are, essentially professional problem solvers. And yeah, it's um, it took me on my own journey, which got me into property probably oh, seven or eight years ago. Um, and then built up from there into the development side of things as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's me and a and a Very I know. The, I think the first time we met, I, I can't even remember how long ago it, it was. It seems an eternity. <laughs> but you know, when when we did meet, you were uh, you were travelling the world and in some quite interesting places as well. Um, you know, do, doing your mechanical engineering thing, and as you say, that that engineering instinct, you know, it it's very much detail driven, isn't it? You know, yeah, very much so. I think we were probably met. 2019, 2020, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely pre-COVID. And I was working over in Basra in Iraq. And yeah. in, at that point in time, we had I was managing, project managing and technically responsible for a project. It was like half a billion pounds. Okay. Um, redevelopment of a, a of basically LPG, liquid, petro- liquid petroleum gas, yeah. and how you export and deliver that back to the, the Iraqi system. So very interesting. In, Lots in of the, lessons you can use in property as well. Absolutely. In very harsh environments as well. It's yeah. not just a walk in the park, is it? For sure. Yeah, really good. Really good. I mean, what what made you choose property uh, as the old vehicle for wealth and success? It's funny because I was, you know, when I was looking through the notes that you sent through, I was trying to, you know, harp back. When was the first time? I think really, like, I really got interested in property when I was about 20, when I was at university. Um, there was a couple of guys who were like on the emails who were like buy to lets things. And I always found that really interesting where I felt it was a safe piece, you know, the say what what's it is um safe as houses. They don't say like a safe as stock markets, right? And there was always something about that expression kind of got me. And probably from that point that I really wanted to get into it. So I didn't have the capital at that point in time as a student, but I just did all of the knowledge and research. Yeah. Um, and I knew that that was a way to build wealth, both cash flow as well as more 
capital pots, right? The larger sums, depending if you want to flip, you want to develop, you sell after, you know, you can create large chunks as well as cash flow from from rental piece. And it kind of went through that that kind of standard approach that many people do, whether they find themselves an accidental landlord or, uh, you know, they, they want to be a landlord and you move into more smaller developments and then maybe it's something commercial and then maybe some more of the exotic deals, you know, that you, you might see in traditional um, education realms, right? So, and yeah, I think it's very versatile and it should be a mainstay of anyone's portfolio, I think. I, I think so. And it, it gives in so many different ways, doesn't it, Alex? It, you know, it's uh, not only the giving back thing to society of moving maybe a distressed property into a beautiful home for somebody, but, you know, you've got that cash flow, you've got, you can kind of drive and touch it as well. That's quite, that's quite tactile. You know, you can get involved with the property, um, but ultimately it's building wealth and it, it can, it can transcend, obviously, um, generations as well can't it which is just amazing yeah i think it was a you know an old mentor of mine he always like he said right wealth is it's it's an easy way that it's easy to get to wealth but how fast you get to wealth is a different it's a different animal right and everyone chooses a vehicle mm. on how they get to wealth and you could choose to you know be walking or crawling you could choose to use a bike you can choose to use a car you can choose to use a a jet or you could choose to use a rocket ship right and you know which vehicle you choose will determine how long it gets there um and i always saw property as a way it's probably not the rocket ship and it you know it's definitely not a bike or a car but it's definitely a good way to build long lasting and if you do it correctly and follow the right principles in a safer you know as safe as possible uh, manner obviously you can't yeah. predict everything but no. I think it is a very good vehicle to utilise. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Maybe tell us about some of the key milestones and achievements in your, your property journey thus far. Yeah, so I think, like, coming back to what I mentioned at the start, you know, I, I founded a business originally called USA, which nobody could pronounce, so I changed that to Core City, which is Core City, and um, that really reflected the journey that we want to go on. So this this development company was really focused on how we repurpose the way people live, work, and play. And it was done pre-COVID, but it really is a benefit for post-COVID society. And it's looking at regenerative principles of real estate, how you bring real estate in general, commercial and residential in harmony with people, place, and planet. So we look at things really holistically and we say, look, how do we help with social aspects? How do we actually give back to society, uh, bring back communities together? How do we do it from a human perspective? We're looking at people holistically, not just as, okay, if they're a cash flow element, they're going to give us money, but what, what do people need and want? How do we deliver that from them? Not just a roof over the head, but from relationships, from well-being, from health, um, from wealth, all of these elements. Mm. Uh, we look at the environment as well. So what does sustainability look like? From that perspective, how do we reduce our carbon footprint, our embodied carbon emissions, which are a big thing, as you're aware of, in development? Yeah. Um, and then we've got the manufacturing and, and the and the natural or the, the biodiversity side, the nature side, which is how, and we're all as developers now obliged to put in a ten percent, you know, net biodiversity gain within our developments. So how do we do that? How can we actually bring that in and help everyone else, the residents, internally and externally? So. That was a real drive for us. We, you know, we really wanted to bring people together under this community banner. Yeah. Um, 
live, live, work and play? How do we do responsibly mm. and allow people to travel in the, you know, as according to their life. So not just making sure there's really high end apartments, but what's the, the starter houses? How do we bring social housing? How do we get renters in? How do we get co-livers in? How do we get home ownership and let people decide how they want to build their lives, with people who the work around. Um, and, and you know, that for me, in terms of the milestone that kind of kicked off in 2020, uh, Nigel, and, you know, I've done some small buy-to-lets. I've done some mini refurbs on houses, et cetera, over the years. Um, and then I think I was obviously spoke to you and Mark and probably came on a course and some other bits and pieces. And given my work as an engineer and the projects I was running, it kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, we dived in in 2020 and bought a commercial office. It was 40,000 square foot in Aberdeen. Um, we've still got that, although we're just exiting now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was an extra year longer than we expected. I guess we'll talk about that challenges part. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was going to be a big conversion to the live, work and play philosophy. Yeah. COVID, many mm-hmm. challenges from, you know, interest rates rises, cost of labor, cost of living means we have to change things and be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was originally going to be our mixed use, um, mixed purpose development there with 50 apartments and 15,000 square foot commercial. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we did, that was one of our major highlights. We then bought uh, a property in Guildford called Norwich House. Uh, again, that was an existing block. It was offices and retail. And we got planning to make permission to convert that into 13 apartments as well as the retail. Uh, again, where the world lands, it that had to change. And we're now turning that into serviced office and co-working, which will open up in Q1 next year. And we've just recently, well, I'd say probably six, nine months ago, we got a sign in Kingston, which is probably really exciting um, because that is our first, will be a, our first live, work and play, right? It's our third project, a third attempt of getting there, but finally we've got one. It's a Greenfield site um, with, with plan and play and we're, we're going to build out to 26 apartments for the first yeah. commercial and do this live, work, play approach. It's amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing approach and a proper differentiator, I'd say. You know, people living in an environment, it's not just about the property, it's, it's the feeling, it's the, you know, the mental well-being, the, you know, w- w- the community aspect I think is massive. And, and that, you know, from, a, from an investment perspective, that generates, I'd suggest, a premium. Um, but people, of course, are happy to pay that premium because it, it gives them that, that their, their fixed costs for what they're getting. And, and certainly some of the schemes that we're looking at at the moment is almost like 110% generation as well, you know, where you, you, you're self-generating each of the, each of the communities or power stations, you know, just by the utilization of solar power and those sorts of things. And it's, it's starting to draw a line under or giving certainty to tenants and owners, isn't it? You know, that, that scenario. So I think it's really good, a really good concept and, uh, you know, best of luck with the, the next one in Kingston. That sounds really exciting. We we know we know things don't always go to plan, Alex. Um, but maybe you could just take us through, you know, something that you've encountered unexpectedly and how you overcame the challenge. Yeah, like uh, you know, Nigel, where do you start with property development? And I, I I'm always cautious on how I tell stories because I never want to scare people away who are interested to get in. But at the same time. I always feel like a dose of realism is is always important as well. So people go with eyes wide open. Um, 
And I probably didn't go in with eyes wide open in some of the cases. I'm an optimist. You know, the glass is always full in my case. But I think probably down Norwich House project is through a lot of surprises, to be honest, in guilt, which was in Guildford. Um, and I think I'll, I'll drive you probably through the last year, um, which has been a bit of a roller coaster ride in, in its own nature. <clears throat> and originally, like I said, we were buying that asset probably this time one year ago. And we were looking to convert the uppers, the, the, the office spaces into residential, into 13 flats. We'd done the design, we had the planning, we had pretty much gone through all the bits and pieces. Um, and then obviously there was a grenade launched in the trust quasi uh, government, which kind of threw everything on its head, which also included interest rates that started rising. But then also viability on maybe residential schemes, um, where you know, over pretty much over the space of a month or two, we were looking at still maybe good profit, but the risk profile was massive because by the time we were to exit, which is about now, we didn't know which way we we're going to come into, and we could have been losing two, three, four hundred thousand pounds of profit, mm. which you know we didn't want to do that, take that risk. So we had to kind of make the decision as a board alongside our investors to say, well, what else can we do where we can secure that, which will be less risk, but will allow us to exit safely and potentially, you know, with potential better returns. So we made the choice to go into uh, co-working and serviced office space where there was a demand. We knew we could get a very strong pattern per square foot in terms of the rent rate, and then that moves into a commercial valuation at a, at a better piece. So. And the costs were a lot less, as well as the risk profile in terms of build, building, you know, building control, fire regulations, which again changed last mm-hmm. year through the Grenfell piece and updates of fire yeah. engineering yeah. standards. So you know, we we had to make that on the fly that decision, and you know, it's difficult because you've got investors who you've told you're going to build flats, and not all of a sudden you're building offices, right? Which is wasn't part of the investor memorandum, uh, and I guess that's where it comes constant communication, having relationships, explaining the situation, getting them involved, trying to make them understand what, what what the reasons are, not just as a bystander, but, you know, like someone actually involved in the project. And yeah. we've always tried to do that uh, wherever possible. And, yeah, I guess, like, that, that was a, a real tough point for us. And at the same time, you know, while we were going through that piece, we uh, – we're finalising some of our remaining investment for the equity side to you know start doing the rebit piece, and we had like four hundred thousand pounds which were coming in from a number of asset entities. Uh, we had a last minute kind of uh, update that they, those funds were held indefinitely, like they wouldn't be able to release them uh, from their own side. But then we had to go and find you know four hundred thousand pounds of equity in the space of four weeks to be able to move complete and build that project you know continue that project on um which you know again you guys know what it's like finding last minute capital but yeah we found it right and now we've got a really good investor for life that we were working with Um, but these are the constant challenges yeah absolutely so absolutely eyes wide open keep agile there's certain forces out there that we can't control and but it's yeah. keeping your ear to the ground and trying to anticipate, isn't it? Trying to anticipate what could because you're right. I mean, you know, delivering what would have been the original scheme into the market at this point probably would have been a right old challenge. 
you know, to kind of get refinancing or selling and, you know, all these sort of challenges that we all have at the moment. So I think, I think that's a commendable um, strategy event, I think, just to kind of get onto a different track, but deliver something to, to what the market needs and, you know, co-working, you know, post-COVID, um, you know, we've all seen, haven't we, that the big office blocks, you know, people don't want them anymore because there's homework in, there's part home and office work in, all these sorts of people doing shifts, if you like, you know, Monday and Friday and somebody's doing Tuesday and Thursday. So the enormity of these office blocks are not needed. So the co-working space is ideal, you know, for startups as well, you know, which is, which is great. Yeah. And, and, and comes back to, you know, why, why do you choose property? Well, we, we have that co-working, co-living element, right? So even though it wasn't the full live, work and play, we're still working to our model of this, this work element. And, you know, the company who, the tenants who are coming in, they're very much community focused, which is perfect, right? So we work with the value system where they're supporting young businesses, you know, solopreneurs, and we're really helping them develop that profile and that community. So for us, it's a nice reward. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. And a superb location right in the centre of Guildford. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a great location. (laughs) Which is fantastic. So what lessons have you learned along the way? This is, uh, uh, what was it, 30 minutes we've got for this? <laughs> we've all got um, a bucket load, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, so what lessons? So I guess you have to be, have to remain persistent here. And I, I don't think it's just with development, but in general, like know what you want to go after, be persistent, but more importantly, be flexible. Because if you are so rigid in your thought process and, and your end goal, you will come a cropper, right? Someone will come around, something will come around and bite you so hard. And I, I learned that the hard way, like, you know, with one of our sites, we, you know, I tried to force the live, work, play concept for a long time, hold on to it when really the market was telling us something different. And, you know, we probably wasted six months because of that piece of my own pride, which is another thing, obviously, don't ever put your emotions in. Like you get told this all the time. Easier said than done if it's your first one and you poured a lot of energy into it. But, you know, be flexible, work with the market, like allow the universe of those hidden forces to guide you. Don't go against it. Like it's there for a reason. Just work to what's in front of you. And I found that's probably the most important thing to happen to me over the last 12 months. I'd also say as well, Nigel, that like if you can always find an opportunity, even in the most darkest of times. Mm-hmm. If you take that mindset of, you know, something really, really bad happened. This is just in general in life as well as, as business and property, but there's always an opportunity there. There's always a positive look for. And as, you, as soon as you start doing that, when things happen, it change, it's a complete game changer. Um, and almost like I welcome these challenges because, oh, there's an opportunity for me here. Where is it? I'm going to find mm-hmm. it and snip it out. So, yeah. Take it like that. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, you're right. It's um, no, it can be it can be challenging. You've just got to you just you know I I think the bumps in the road. Um, you, you know you've got to maintain that positive approach because as you say the ups and the downs opportunity does arise. Um, and you know it's pretty tough out there for a lot of people at the moment, but the opportunity is to help people out in that situation. So we, you know, we're, we're looking at a building at the moment and the, you know, quite frankly, the landlord, uh, sorry, the owner of the building is on his knees. You know, he's, he used to enjoy this office block, you know, full of, um, full of tenants, 
you know, paying all of his bills, all of his council, all of his uh, business rates, his insurance, service charges, all those sort of things. And here he is today. He's got an empty building and he's covering all the costs. He's he's piling money in on a monthly basis, you know, and it's almost please help, you know. And uh, so he's kind of finding those those opportunities. Yes, it's, it's helping in a, it's a positive way, but in a negative situation. But they are out there. That's the thing. They are out there. Yeah. So never, ever give up, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other and just keep plowing through. And sometimes the mud is deeper than other times. But just keep moving forward, I think, would be the uh, uh, the thought to take away. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about momentum, right? Continue yeah, that. absolutely, absolutely. That's brilliant, Alex. Thank you. What, what are your future plans? Um, so, you know, we've been thinking a lot. Our live, work and play, we, we, we've pivoted quite a few times. Again, you just face what's in front of you, right? And we've looked at this now and said, okay, well, our live, work and play model is really beneficial to communities. And we're, that is the commitment there, this regenerative principles. How do we create this harmony between people, places, and planet and real estate? But we're also looking at then how do we diversify? So we're not just residential because obviously this last market shift has shown us if you are purely residential, you're in a tough space right right now. Definitely. So why can't we diversify the asset classes yep. and build those separately? It doesn't have to be all mixed use. It could be separate ones. And when you diversify, you you know because of the counter cyclical nature of social housing versus you know for sale and some of the commercial versus resi, you can still benefit when times are good and and all bad. So you know that's what we're looking at now is to say look how do we bring this live work and play piece into those different asset classes. And we're looking at office space. Obviously, we've got Guildford. We've got Kingston, which I mentioned about earlier, which is this our new site, which is right in the center of Kingston. You know, it's like two-minute walk from the train station. Um, it's a really fantastic place. You can actually see out all of Richmond Park on the, oh. on the roof and the penthouses, <laughs> the thought process. Um, and, you know, that will be the resi stay that we'll build the community from. But then we're looking at the play element and the work element. So looking in London and say, okay, well, how can we build maybe some starter um, uh, business spaces? So for life sciences, engineering, technology, really supporting those 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 up-and-coming young businesses, enterprises, and then saying, okay, well, can we bring some retail in there? But making sure that retail is all experiential. It's guarding against some of the typical issues that you might have in the high street, right? So not being a transactional piece, but more value creation. Because that's obviously ultimately where and what people want, right? They want experiences. They don't want just the money taken off them. They want something else. Absolutely. So, you know, trying to diversify, build a little bit more slowly than I originally planned, which probably just comes from being a little bit more wise and bitten a few more times. Um, but yeah, still continue that plan. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. A, a couple of years ago, um, I, I was I was very humbled, actually, Mark, uh, Mark asked me to join him on a on a book, um, writing a book and to be a chapter author in, in that particular book. And it was called Advice to Younger Self. Um, you, you might have heard of it. <laughs> so, I wrote a chapter in it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But, but hopefully, hopefully you had the same experience as me. It was a real interesting of kind of dissecting your life um in compartments i mean i didn't start from nappies i started a bit further on from that but you know just just pulling all the the positives and the stories and the journey and the influences 
along that journey um, all the way to kind of, you know, where, where we are today. And just going through the process was, it was kind of illuminating to me because you kind of forget these things. You forget them, don't you? You just deal, lots of people deal, and I, I'm the same, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I deal with the now and I'm looking at the future. And, you, and sometimes just reflecting on the past of where the journey's been, where you've come from, where you are, you know, it kind of gives you a bit of a spring in your step, you know, whereas it could be a bit of a dark day at the moment, but those sorts of things are great. I, I also used it as a, a bit of a, an education process for my next generation as well. So I used my, my, my girls, um, I said, would you, would you mind helping me? Because I've written this, this chapter, but, you know, would you like to critique it? You know, for, and I was thinking from a grammar point of view, and then Alex, they pulled me apart on the grammar. You know, <laughs> and, but, but what are you doing? guys, right? That's it. Uh, absolutely. But, you know, for me, that was a bit covert. And because it was enabling my children to read my story, yeah, rather than sitting them down and telling them the story, you know, they read it and they cried, Dad, I didn't realize you did this. Or you did. <laughs> so it was a quite a humbling experience. And it's obviously out there in the book today, as is yours. But I think if I was to kind of turn that question on to you for this podcast today, is there, is there one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Um, yeah, so I think that often when you go through life, you, especially younger side, you go 100 miles an hour, not really thinking about who you are and what you're, what you are made of. And my advice to my younger self is like, take my time to work out what my values are. And when you know your values, it helps you define what success is for you, not what society drives success, you know, be a good Christian, a good father, honest, you know, integral that's society's versions, but you know what is important for you. And when you know what's important for you, making decisions becomes a lot easier. You can work out how you want to live, work, play, all of this thing. And if I took that time maybe 10, 15 years ago, like obviously it's and buts, but things would have been a lot different. So work out what the version of success is for you. From you know, before that, the values will help you drive there. So fantastic advice. <laughs> really really good thing. i wish i could listen to it still though <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that's amazing absolutely amazing and thank you thank you alex for the, the candor that was just fantastic all the way through so so how can people follow you or get in touch yeah so um like i'm on linkedin so alex impey follow us on corecity.co.uk as well that's our website address um you know my email address is alex.impey@corecity.co.uk. So. You know, from there, you can find us, find out what we're doing, how we're supporting. Uh, and if you want to get into it, you know, you want to get involved with us in our own journey, you know, let me know. I'm sure we can find a way to do that. Brilliant, brilliant. Fantastic. Well, from me to you, Alex, thank you. Re- really appreciate your time. As I say, you can do It's been super useful. I'm sure everybody listening to this interview will get a lot out of it. So, everybody, you've been listening to the Property Developers and Investors podcast. Nigel Green here from Acro Academy, and I bid you a good day. Thank you. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equacademy.co.uk.